Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode. This episode was a little bit delayed, well, a little more than a little bit, uh, for a few things. Number one, it is a video episode, but she didn't think it was going to be. Um, as you guys know, I usually do post on Saturdays. Obviously, this is not a Saturday, and the last few haven't been posted on their usual Saturdays, but I was packing on Saturday, and then on Sunday, I flew back here to uh, Montana, and then with this episode, because of like the topic of everything, because I just like decided this was going to be what the topic was, there was a lot of research involved and I wanted to make sure that what I was sharing was accurate and I wasn't just spewing things that were false. Um, so I finally finished all my research and was at a point where I could, you know, film it and everything. Plus today was my first official day of classes. Yesterday was the first day of class for spring semester but I don't have classes on Mondays or Wednesdays. So I basically just got a day off and then today was my first official day. So I had three classes. I know I said that we were going to have a new name and I still haven't picked it yet because again, it is just really hard to pick it. And I don't want to just choose a name so that I have chosen one because then I might have to change it again down the road. I want to pick one that I'm happy with and hopefully everybody else would be as well. So please bear with me as I continue to try to figure out what this is going to be. Another thing I want to talk about real quick um, is something I kind of briefly brought up in the last episode, and that was when I said, you know, um, like, <laughs> join an organization everything, and I was like, I'm in an organization, but like, I'll have something to say about that soon. Um I am no longer the president of or even a member of the MSU Collegiate Cattle Women. This decision came from the fact that some issues arose and I was led to feel like my contributions and effort were not valued or appreciated. And after the initial issues were resolved or like resolved, um, I was then isolated and ignored. And I it took a major hit to my mental health. Um, and to be quite honest, these issues were happening before I even started the podcast. And so I was having to sit there and pretend that everything was okay, which I do believe in like full transparency and everything when you decide to put your life out on blast and make content. But at the same time, because I hadn't even announced I was leaving to the club, I didn't want to say it like here. Um, but I sent the email out on Tuesday, so I'm no longer in it. But overall... I, again, the, my mental health was just decreasing and I decided that was more important than a college club. And I've cried on and off for the last few days because even though I know it was the right decision to leave at the same time, it hurts because this was something I put so much into. Like arguably I put in the most time, energy, and effort out of everyone and then to have to be the one that left because of this situation just absolutely hurts me. And I was going to talk about the whole situation before this episode, but it's not what this episode's about. So I've decided that's actually going to be the next episode is I'm going to talk about what happened. Also, my experience with FFA because like it feels like a deja vu situation where it was people who ruined it for me. Um, and I just want to talk also about like the negative impacts of when we don't support those who want to become a part of the agriculture community. But I will say that with this whole thing, like, another reason I wouldn't share stuff is 
I felt like I was such a failure. Like I was letting everybody down. Like I was letting the new members down. I was letting myself down. I, you know, I put in all this work and everything. And then to have to be the one that left, it felt like I failed, even though it, it wasn't me. It was the situation that I was put in. It was the people and everything. Um, but so that, that was hard. And it also, it was that kind of that imposter syndrome that we've talked about before and feeling like I should not be talking about agriculture because if I can't even, you know, be in that anymore, why am I doing this? But honestly, having the podcast and talking about agriculture and getting to help people, that was because these issues arise was actually why I started the podcast. And I'll talk about that more in the next episode. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about that soon. Um, I'm surprised that I've made it through without crying because as you guys know, even though I do have like just an outline over here, um, I practice it multiple times before and every time I've like tried to do this, I just start crying, but I haven't now. Um, I probably will cry in the next episode. So if you don't want to hear me cry or see me cry, maybe don't watch that one. Um, that's fully up to you, but Let's get into the actual episode because this is one that I felt so passionate about and honestly, the last few episodes I haven't really. Um, I, I Like I said, I was really passionate when I started it and then obviously the last couple ones have been very me-centered and I'm trying to like take a step back from that and focus more on the agriculture and everything. Um, but I just randomly got like a you know, when you get like the motivation to clean, it's like the sudden urge. I just got this like sudden urge to find all these new topics and I got so many down. And this was one that I had already done a lot of research for before and also just care a lot about. So let's talk about this. So we're going to be talking about food labels, organics, and uh, GMOs. So first of all, like I said, I did a lot of research for this before. My senior year, when I was still in FFA and everything, I took the ag leadership class that we had offered. And because we were still in COVID time and I was still fully distanced and everything, we were given an assignment where we had to create these like educational videos that would, the intention was they would be like sent to the elementary schools and they would watch them. Um, and I don't know where I got the idea from, but I was like, I'm going to do like a little series of episodes. And what we're going to do is actually, I don't even think it was that project. I think it was like, we had to create a project and this was what I chose. Um, but I decided the dairy industry, the meat industry, organics and GMOs versus non-GMOs. And I made like little mini episodes for each of them, which they're actually all still on my YouTube. I don't even know if people can access them. Um, but so I just, I learned so much about them. And like, whenever it gets brought up, this is a topic that I can talk about for a really long time because I think it's really important that we talk about things. Um, because if you read the episode bio, which I'm actually pretty proud of the episode bio, because I put a lot of work into actually writing one up. Um, a lot of people just see the labels on food and they like, they fall into the marketing tactics and the scheme that is happening here. Because the thing is, when you see the words non-GMO, no antibiotics, no hormones, 
whether you know what it actually is or not, the second you see the no in that, you automatically think, oh, well, that means it's bad. So by me purchasing this because it doesn't have it, this is good for me, whatever. And so a lot of people fall into this ploy with, again, not even knowing what these things are. So again, I think it's really important that we just talk about it and then people can make informed decisions. So there are a lot of labels that are put onto food that really are just a marketing tactic. They want people to buy their food. And, you know, before it was your product spoke for itself. So, you know, whatever you're providing, people love the quality and they get that. But then once packaging became one of, uh, like a thing, you know, it's you have to have eye-catching, you know, it's targeting certain people. Well, then you start being able to like put these labels on there. And that is, again, something that's catching people's eyes and it's getting people to purchase things. And the problem here is a lot of them are not regulated. Some of them are regulated, but either they're not regulated well or it's kind of just like a joke in terms of regulation. So I have a bunch of examples here. As always, any um, sources I've used, I buffered for a second, any sources I have found will be in the episode bio if anyone wants to check them out, but I have a few that we're going to touch on. So if you've ever seen the term free range, meaning like they're not cooped up in anything, they get to just go everywhere they want to be, for you to be able to use this sticker, you have to provide a brief description of the housing conditions to the USDA Labeling Program and Delivery Division. So this is just a written description saying, yep, they have this much space that they get to go out into, they're outside all the time, whatever, because what they're trying to do is confirm that the animal in question is out, like outside for at least 51% of their life. And the thing with that is it's just a written description, so anybody could lie. The animal could be like in the tiniest room with a million other animals, treated horribly, whatever, but because it's only a written description, they could get approved. Like, I think an actual, uh, like, interview, like, at the place, you know, go and look at it, or even asking for pictures, obviously those could also be faked or, you know, find photos on the internet, but something more than just, oh, yep, we're writing it out. Um, and also with this is there's some other terms that fit into this. So with free range, there's also free roaming, pasture raised, pasture grown, and meadow raised. Now I actually had to look this up because I've heard of a meadow before, but I didn't specifically know what it was. And I was like, how is that different from a pasture? And I'm going to say this real quick. If you guys keep seeing me like look up into the side, it has snowed out here and I keep seeing the person who lives above me walk in and out and then snow just falls onto my like little patio area. And so I just keep seeing snowfall and I'm like, what are they doing? Anyways, um, so I was like, what even is a meadow? So I looked it up and the difference between the two is a pasture is a piece of land for raising animals and a meadow is a piece of land for things like hay. Um, so it's interesting that we have a distinction there and you can use both pasture raised and meadow raised. But again, all of that is really to say we don't have them cooped up or whatever. But again, it's not very well regulated. So I don't know if we could really take them at their word. The next is cage free. 
Um, so this obviously means that the chicken, which it's usually applying to chicken, um, but any animal in this sense is not living in a cage. And a little fun fact here is no meat chicken or other ways known as a broiler chicken. So the chicken that you eat is in a cage, like literally none of them. I, a lot of the terms that are on here prior to like the GMO and organics, no antibiotics, no hormones, all the other ones came from a website that was all about like make like what I'm doing, making sure people are informed. Um, and so I took some of what they said, but if they said something, I would also like cross-reference cross it and like make sure that other places said that. And that was one of the things they said was no meat chicken is in a cage. And I looked it up and it was exactly what a bunch of other places said. So again, marketing tactic. Uh, next one is humanely raised. Now, I don't think I've ever personally seen this label anywhere, but you know, maybe it is on some meat or something. However, there is no legal definition or even like a minimum standard of welfare that we have set. So by saying humanely raised, that really means nothing because you could have actually like just been neglecting the animal. It's living in squalor. Um, you're not feeding it for days on end, whatever, but you could still say it was humanely raised. So that one is very well marketed if it's being used. The next one is another one that is 100% marketing, and that is no hormones added. So hormones are banned by the USDA, and I'm going to say that again. They're banned. So no hormone added is just 100% a marketing tactic because they're literally not allowed to be used. If they were to be used, they would not be able to sell it commercially. And the same kind of goes for the next one, which is no antibiotics added. So first of all, a couple things to talk about with this is antibiotics are expensive. A lot of them have to be acquired through a vet. And also they're used to treat a condition. Now, I'm not saying that there has never been misuse and companies didn't use antibiotics to get a certain achievement. I don't even know what they would be using the antibiotics for. Um, so if somebody does, you could tell me, but again, most of the time it is not the smaller people. It's like the big commercial places that don't care about their animals that would be able to even afford constant antibiotic use and everything. And overuse can lead to antibiotic resistance, which is really bad. It's also why us as humans should not just be constantly taking antibiotics. I had to take antibiotics, um, this past Christmas because my dental crown, as we've talked about, um, we thought we were going to have to maybe do a root canal because it got so bad, but they had me take antibiotics and then it died down and it was doing better. But prior to that, I think the last time I took antibiotics was my freshman year of high school when we all got super, super sick and the doctor had us take antibiotics. So it's not something that you should constantly take. It should only be used to treat something. So farmers and ranchers use the antibiotics to treat their sick animals to give them a better quality of life. Like I said, a lot of places, when you say like a factory farm, it's the same thing as like, um, for example, we learned about this in one of my classes last year about different types of customer service. And one of them was factory. And that was, they saw you as a number. They want you to get your food, pay, get out so they can put another person in that chair. So with factory farming, and these large corporations, they, they see profit, they see money, they don't see the animal or their own welfare or anything. 
So they just care about turning that profit and, you know, getting these animals raised, sent out, getting more and doing that. Farmers and ranchers typically, again, there can be bad ones, care more about the animals themselves and want to make sure that they are well taken care of. So if they do get sick, just like we do, just as if your dog got sick and then that made you give them antibiotics, they want to make sure that they are okay and taken care of. And meat is tested (laughs) before it is sold commercially. And if there's any trace of antibiotics, it is pulled. It cannot be sold. So they make sure that if, say, you know, the cow needed to have an antibiotic, that there is enough time before it is butchered, before, like, to let the antibiotics get out of its system, and then it goes on the market. But if it were to test and there's still traces of antibiotics, it can't be sent out to you. So there is no way that you are consuming antibiotics. So again, by saying no antibiotics used, some of them may be honest, and there never once was a need for antibiotics, but even others could probably still put it on there if the antibiotics aren't there. Then we have USDA process verified. Again, not a label that I've personally seen, but apparently is something. And what this really means is that the company that is being allowed to use this label has provided consistent quality products and service. So it has nothing to do with the welfare of the animals or how they're treated. Again, could treat them absolutely horribly. And if the meat itself was quality enough, they would be allowed to use the sticker. Um, So that's kind of not great, especially because it's the USDA who's verifying them. Um, So you're kind of helping them get more money, even if they are treating the animal horribly. Then we have GMOs and organics, and I'm obviously going to get into these here in a minute more. So GMOs, uh, the FDA or Food and Drug Administration are the ones who regulate GMOs and also the GMO labels. And organics, that is the USDA NOP, or National Organics Program, and they're the ones who take care of organic labeling. So that is all the labels themselves that we're going to talk about, and now we're going to talk about organics, because again, this is something that I really care about talking, or care about talking about. I'm not having a great day with words. I'm so sorry. Um, so to start with organics, first of all, organic food is more expensive and it is regulated quite thoroughly. I will say that of all the labels that are on this list, the organics ones are the best regulated and the way that they are labeled makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a really great system that they have going. And I'll explain that to you guys here in a second. Um, What I think a lot of people don't understand is for a farm, and I'm just going to use farm here, it could be a ranch, but farm usually, for it to become certified organic and be allowed to use the organic label, there's a long and very lengthy process that they have to go through to be able to become certified. And that process has a minimum of three years. So here's the thing with that. During that time, they cannot be selling anything. They have to cease operations to convert to an organic farm, or at least to my understanding, that's what happens. Um, So that's a lot of loss of income. So you have to be financially stable to be able to do that. Additionally, it's not free. It's $1,000 a year, and you do have to start paying that even while you're going through the certification process. Um, And another thing which I kind of jumped around with putting stuff in here, so I do apologize. 
there has to be a buffer zone between your farm and another farm. Meaning if their farm uses pesticides and you're trying to go organic, there's this thing called wind transference. And that is when um, the wind picks up and pesticides from their farm transfers to yours. And now your stuff is not organic anymore. Additionally, uh, oh, but with the buffer zone, they don't specify how big it is. So that's not really helpful to say, first of all. Um, but there's paperwork and it is extensive and they say that farmers should set aside time every single day to do paperwork. Another little fun fact here is only around 1% of American farms are organic and that means certified organic because what I'm trying to say here with this whole um, process that they have to go through, there are farms that are organic in the sense of they do kind of engage in those practices but they are not able to afford the certification. And so when I say only 1% are, that means the ones who are actually certified. Additionally, they have to deal with inspections from the government, which I mean kind of makes sense considering a government agency is making sure that you are keeping up with being organic. Now, products that have the label must be grown, handled, and processed without the use of pesticides or other synthetic chemicals, irrigation, fertilizers made with synthetic ingredients, or bioengineering. And basically what that all just said is, you know, can't use pesticides, can't use um, fertilizers that are made with certain, with certain ingredients, can't use certain chemicals, blah, 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 blah. If you use any of those, it's not organic. Um, and then again, jumping around. So the labels are based on the percentage of what is organic. And what I'm going to say here, number one, is if you go to the grocery store, like Safeway, for example, they usually have in the produce section the organic area and then the everything else. So obviously the things in the organic section are 100% organic because those are the raw ingredients. But if you are looking through other prepackaged things, and it says any of these labels, that means that the ingredients themselves are, are organic. So for it to say 100% organic, I mean, that kind of makes sense. It would be only organically produced uh, ingredients without processing aids. This doesn't exclude salt and water, which kind of makes sense because I don't think that really would be considered by anyone to be like a processing aid because it's not a chemical or anything. If it says organic, that means that 95% or even more, up to the 100, um, is organic. And then contains organic ingredients means that less than 70% contains organic ingredients. And by law, they are not able to claim that it is organic because it is less than that 95%. Now, back to... The whole process of becoming an organic farm. Again, sorry, I should have proofread and sorted everything out. Um, first of all, the farm and ranch has to come up with a plan of how to become organic. And there's a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration here, including sometimes they have to get rid of things. They have to avoid certain pastures that, you know, aren't organic considered. They have to get rid of crops and soils that pesticides were used on. Um, there's also animals to be considered in that. If you're an organic animal side of things, um, for example, antibiotics, again, bringing that back up, 
even though, again, as I was saying, antibiotics aren't actually bad because you're not going to be consuming them. They're just treating things. If an animal needs to be treated, they cannot be considered organic anymore because they did consume an antibiotic. Well, not consume, but had to be given an antibiotic. Um, so that's something that has to be considered. But things like uh, equipment, anything like that, that maybe process things that weren't organic already, sometimes you can sanitize them and be able to keep using them, but other times they might deem that you have to get rid of it. And at, while you're doing all this, you are working with a uh, certifying agent. They come out, they make sure that your plan is going to work, number one. Obviously, you know, if you were to come up with this plan and they didn't say anything and you go through the three-year-long process and then at the end they're like, no, actually none of this works, that would suck. So at least... They sit there and they make sure that the plan will work, but then they also check up to make sure that you are following the plan because obviously we have to make sure we're converting everything. Then after, you know, you start implementing the plan, getting through the years, once you're at the point that you could become certified, an inspector will come out. They'll make sure that everything is up to standard. It's all good to go. And then they will send their report to the certifying agent and they get the final say on whether or not you can be deemed organic or not. Now, I did include some other fun facts that I thought would be interesting. The first is pesticides are actually allowed. I know even I said no pesticides, but that is a myth that people think. They think, oh, organic means absolutely no pesticides. You know, I don't have to worry about that. But the truth is there is actually a list of pesticides that are allowed to be used. Now, I've had a professor who, mind you, this is one of my favorite professors. Um, she's one of my hospitality professors. So like as that being my major, I do have a lot of classes with her. I've already had five of them. Um, but sometimes she talks about agriculture and things like that. And there are things she says that sometimes I bite my tongue and other times I don't. And one of them, we were in my sustainability class and we were talking about organic and, you know, she made the comment of no pesticides and all that. And I just had to raise my hand and I was like, there actually is a list of pesticides that are allowed to be used. And she was like, oh, well, if you find the list, like, could you send it to me? And I did. I found the website and I sent it to her because, you know, that is my thing is, again, I want to make sure everyone's, you know, getting correct information, also uh, correcting misconceptions. But at the same time, it's really hard when it's like your professor and you have to like respect them and you don't want to contradict them. But at the same time, like in this case, you know, saying things like that when it's not true and there's like a list of like 40 some pesticides that are allowed. It kind of was one of those situations where you just got to do it. Um, but yeah, so there is actually a list out there of pesticides that are allowed. And I did not look at the list before I made this episode. Um but if you're interested, if I find it, I can put it in the episode bio or you can message me and I'll let, try to get it to you. Um, the next fact was 82.3% of American households stock up on organic food. And that was uh, statistics from 2018. Honestly, that felt pretty high to me. Um, but at the same time, it makes sense because I feel like 2018 was one of those years where there's a lot of diets and fads going on and everyone's like, only eat organic don't need anything else. Um, but at the same time, the number still seems pretty high to me because I feel like with organics being uh, more expensive, that not everybody would be able to afford it. Then this one might chap some people. Um, 
there is no conclusive evidence that organic food is better for you. I know that is something that a lot of people think, um, but again, they've done scientific research and they have not come up with any evidence that says, yep, organic food is so much better for you. And the final one I have for this is that there's 20% lower yields. Now, I'm sure most people would probably understand what that says, but for people who might not, um, yield is how much of the crop you get after you harvest it. And so in this case, when you're growing organic food, there is less of a yield, which makes sense, especially if you're not using pesticides. Like, let's say they just completely don't. Um, they could lose part of their harvest to pests. There's also just like certain things when growing that are impacted by what they use. Um, but that's what I have for organics. So let's talk about GMOs now. Now, GMOs have been marketed by mainstream media to be a bad thing. Um, I know I definitely, prior to this, thought that they were a bad thing because that's what I had been told. But the thing is, most people don't even know what a GMO is or, like, why people claim it's to be bad or anything or the fact that they've probably been eating them for a very long time. Um, so I'm going to kind of talk about this right now. So number one, what is a GMO? A GMO is a genetically modified organism. So this is an organism that has been altered using DNA technology. So in the past, we've used things like selective breeding and crossbreeding to get a desired outcome. Now, this outcome could either be wanting to create something. Uh, for example, you know, say pest-resistant crops. That is one that has been a thing. Um, or you're breeding to get rid of something. So, you know, there's a trait that people don't want. Like it makes it sick or something, like especially in animals. Um, they do that. But the problem is it takes a very long time. Because let's say, let's use humans as an example. Let's say there's a trait in humans that we don't want anymore. So they are bred and they have a baby. And let's say we have to wait till the baby's 18 before it can be bred. And I know that kind of sounds really horrible, but it's just the easiest way to explain it. Um, that's a really long time waiting. And obviously, things like livestock, I mean, most of the time, by the time they're two, I think is one, two-ish is when they could then be used for breeding and everything. So obviously, it goes faster, but at the same time, that's still years. Uh, so it takes a really long time to get the desired outcome. And so what they're doing is they alter the DNA because it guarantees the outcome. And I lost where I was looking. And it gets rid of all those unwanted traits. Um, because that's also the thing with selective breeding and crossbreeding is just because, you know, you did it doesn't mean it's going to give you what you wanted. There's still, like, a surprise that could happen. Um, but so the first genetically engineered plants for human consumption were actually introduced in the 1990s. Now, I think a lot of people think that this is a more recent thing that GMOs only, you know, have been around for 10 or so years, but the fact of the matter is they've been around for about 30-ish years. Um, and that, first of all, that's just for human consumption. So they've been around for a long time prior to that. And 90% of corn, soybeans, and sugar beets on the market today are GMOs. So if you're eating corn, you're probably eating a GMO. And Another thing I'm going to say here is if you've never looked at it, please, please, please Google 
a banana before GMOs or a watermelon or carrot and just look at all those photos because they are surprising and people who are like no GMOs, you know, we're only going to eat like the produce and everything. I hate to admit it, but a lot of the produce you're eating was genetically modified to look like what we have today. Because if you were to look at those things, you would not recognize them as what they really are. But another thing, GMO crops produce higher yields. So we were just talking about yields. This makes sense because again, like I said, a pest resistant uh, strain of like a crop or something, that is going to help make sure that number one, the crop is withstanding. They can also make it where it's like when you play like heyday or something and you normally get two things of wheat every time or one thing of wheat every time you, you know, harvest it, but then you get like a booster for a little bit and then you're getting more exact same thing. It's however they manage to manipulate the DNA that they can get a higher yield, which means we get more as the consumers. Um, but animals like livestock eat GMO crops. Um, but something that people might be concerned about, they themselves do not turn into a GMO. And this is because the GMOs, for it to be a genetically modified organism, it has to be genetically modified, meaning the DNA was modified. So while they are eating a GMO crop, their DNA as the livestock is not being altered, which means it itself did not become a GMO. And the same goes for their byproducts. I'm sorry, I think the person above me just like dropped something. Um, but with the byproducts also, they have the exact same nutritional content as ones that don't eat GMO crops. So I think that's something people might also think about is like, oh, well, the nutritional content can't be as good. Nope, science has found that it's exactly equal. So you can eat whichever one you want. Um, now there's also GMO animals, which I don't know how I feel about this. Um, so for example, there's salmon. Apparently there's also pigs. Like, I don't fully understand why the pig was, uh, genetically modified. I was reading the website, but it wasn't really making sense to me. Uh, but for the salmon, they grow faster, meaning that we are able to consume them faster. And it also kind of lessens the burden on the salmon that's taken from normal sources. Because if you think about it, we have overfished quite a lot. Um, I'm not going to get into a whole like climate change and activism and stuff all like that. But I will admit, uh, we have overfished a lot of places and salmon is one of those fishes that people want a lot. Me personally, I will only eat it if it's smoked salmon from a very specific place. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people love salmon and so we've taken so much out of the normal sources that then we had to have like salmon farms and salmon hatcheries and now a genetically modified one that grows faster and everything. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I just don't know how I personally feel about it. And GMO technology is actually used for other things like medicine. So for example, GMOs actually created human insulin, which is used to treat diabetes. Now as someone who is hypoglycemic, meaning I deal with low blood sugar, I don't take insulin. My body overproduces insulin actually, but if my blood sugar were to go high, I would have to take it. 
So I think it's really interesting to find out that GMO is actually creating that for us. And just last thing with the GMOs, and that is all medicine has to be proven safe before humans are allowed to use it. So don't worry if, you know, maybe you do take insulin, now you're freaking out, or you take a different medicine that's been genetically modified. It's totally fine. They have to make sure it's safe, just like they would with any other medicine that wouldn't be genetically modified. So just as a final reminder with this episode is I'm not telling you what you can and can't eat. If you want to eat only organics, if you want to pick the boxes that say no GMOs, that is 100% your decision and I'm not here to tell you you can't have that. What I'm saying is I want to make sure that when you make that decision, you are informed and you are able to know what those things mean. So that is what my goal for this episode was, and I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. This was definitely a topic I was really excited about. Um, As I said, I decided, you know, next episode's going to be talking about the situation and everything. Um, I did start another episode already prior to making that decision, which I think is also a really interesting topic, and that will be not this next episode, but the following episode, and that is going to be right to repair laws. Um, which I think will be super interesting because even I didn't know about this. And then I've been doing a lot of research. I spent a lot of time reading legal documents today. Um, So we will get into that soon. Hopefully by either the next episode or that episode, the name will finally be picked and everything will be figured out. Um, Another thing I will say is I've been trying to work with YouTube to get things set up because as I said, when I finally was able to do video episodes. My goal was to obviously like take clips of it and put it on TikTok so I could learn um, marketing and stuff, try to figure out, you know, what would get people to come watch the podcast, but also be able to put full episodes on YouTube. And I tried to upload one and it kept getting to the point where it was like just about to upload. And then it goes, nope, it's too long. Can't do it. Um, Which it was not. Uh, It said, like, you can't do over 15 minutes as an unverified account, and I didn't even know what that meant um, because I am verified. I don't know, Um, and so I'm going to figure that out, but hopefully we can do that soon, and then I would like to also make more content on the YouTube other than just posting the podcast episodes because I really feel like the podcast is going to be a lot more agriculture-heavy Um, which is totally fine by me. As we know, I love talking about it, but I do still care about things like Western fashion and all that. And so I was hoping with the YouTube, we're able to put more effort of agriculture into the podcast, but then the other topics I wanted to talk about are still being able to be talked about in that format. So hopefully things like that get figured out. Um, But that is all that I have for you guys for today's episode. I hope everyone's having a good week, hopefully better than mine is. Um, It's been snowing here. It's freezing cold. You should have seen my face earlier when I got from clear across campus back to my truck. My entire face was just red. Um, So if you're in a really cold area, I hope you guys are staying safe and staying warm. And I will see you in a couple days to talk about a not so fun situation. I'll see you then.